0: Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
1: And go. in the air, deep right center go. field.
0: Two-run home run, Trevor
1: Story. Way back, Myers, so oh, watch it go oh, Chuck Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field.
0: Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight.
1: Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. All right, I am your host, Drew Creasman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies, and on today's episode... Uh, we're going to be spending some time going over yesterday's extremely frustrating loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I suppose it depends on how much you're still uh, leaning on the outcomes and results of these games. It, it's been, it, it was just another example of exactly the kind of season the Colorado Rockies have had, exactly the kind of stretch they've been on here over the last month that even when they come out, and play a pretty decent baseball game through the first six innings, it can all fall apart in a matter of seconds. And I think it was the extremeness of it. It it was the, if if I may use the word efficiency of how quickly the Rockies lead evaporated the very second Peter Lambert came out of the game. And you're just scratching your head as a fan, as a player, to be sure, and even as a manager. Now, I did ask Bud Black after the game, and and because it was the question to be asked, you know, and it would be a far more pressing one if the team was still in it. As such, I'm not going to get overly aggressive about in-game decision-making. Why'd you go to Jake McGee? Look, man, it, one way it doesn't really matter at this point. It really doesn't. A- at the same time, uh, Lambert was in the mid-70s, and I had some people asking me during the game, you know, he's at 74, 75 pitches, why take him out? And my initial thought, because I know that Lambert is on a bit of a soft pitch count, and, not, and this sometimes confuses people, and, and so I needed to clarify here on the podcast, not a pitch count from game to game, Like, they're not going to let him. uh, Most guys are on that anyway anymore. They're not going to let him go over 110 or even 100. And they wouldn't let Peter Lambert, at 22 years old, his first taste of big leagues, throw over 100 pitches. They'd prefer he not throw over 90. But it's more of an over-the-season. It's Any individual game, you can bend it a little bit one way over or, or the other. But over the course of a season, they're trying to make sure he only throws a certain number of pitches. And it wouldn't surprise me. To see any number of these young guys shut down, or if not totally shut down, if they move to some kind of rotation in these final months here, where they're only going say once every six or once every seven days, uh, so that particularly Lambert, Freeland, and Marquez can save some bullets for next season. It's it's sort of you know there there are different degrees of of thought on this about how you recover your arm and and. What does it really mean to throw a certain number of innings over the course of the season? And one of those schools of thought is it's kind of like in professional wrestling. When guys hit the mat, they say you've only got a certain number of bumps in you over the course of your career. And and different guys will have different numbers. And it's the same thing for pitchers. You've only got so many bullets of of, of your best stuff that you can throw over the course of your career. Maybe it's 5,000. Maybe it's 5,100 to 37. <laughs> and as soon as you get to that number, you know, you really start experiencing a, a steep decline. And, and like I said, this is a debate. There's a lot of back and forth. And there are individuals who are going to test the theory one way or the other. But for the most part, uh, I don't see the point in having Lambert, Marquez, and Freeland firing. Now, Freeland's a little bit different. You got to keep sending him out there because he's still searching for it a bit. But I think I'd be pretty close to shutting down Lambert Marquez. That said, when I asked Bud Black last night about taking him out of the game, that was not the reason he gave. It had more to do with the five walks. Now, four of them were unintentional. One of the walks was intentional. But he walked the bases loaded in an inning where he ended up giving up two runs. Yes, Ryan Maltapia could have taken a better route on that ball that got over his head. The old rule of thumb for a pitcher is if you give up a – Line drive over an outfielder's head, though it's on you. Uh, either way, uh, he almost snuck out of that inning. But a double over the outfielder's head, Raimal Tapia taking a a bad route. It doesn't score two runs if you don't walk. The bases loaded, so put he, he could try to put it all on on the young outfielder if you want. And I saw the broadcast spending quite a bit of time on it, and it's worth pointing out. And those are. The things with Toppy. He's been playing left field for most of the year, hasn't gotten a ton of reads out there in center yet. You basically have to look at him at this point as a rookie playing center field. hes We know that he's not got the most polished defensive game, and now you're putting him into a spot that he's trying to learn on the fly, and we've seen what it's done to far more experienced players in Charlie Blackman and Ian Desmond. They've taken plenty of wrong first steps out there as well. So as much as we want to harp on it when Tapia does it, ultimately, Peter Lambert can't walk the bases loaded there for a guy whose primary tool for most of his career has been his command. And I asked Buddy about that after the game as well. I asked Peter about it, and so the last couple of games, he's, he's felt like he's just been a tick off. He pointed maybe to his release point being just a little bit wrong with some of his breaking stuff. We saw a couple of times he got into 3-2 counts, and, you know, it's smart. At, at the big league level, you get in a 3-2 count. You can't just pour over a fastball. These guys are too good. You're going to get knocked around that way. So I think in, in pitch selection, he's showing a maturity that a lot of 22-year-olds wouldn't want to throw their curveball or a changeup on a 3-2 count, and he broke off some pretty decent ones, but they're falling low out of the zone. Guys are taking them because they think he's trying to be too careful. He doesn't want to make the mistake. They're probably right. I think there was a little bit of nibbling going on there, Uh, but ultimately, again, I think these are all things you're seeing that are a part of the progression of a young pitcher in Peter Lambert who still, over his six innings of work, uh, only gave up. A couple of runs, as I mentioned there, um, you know, two of them coming in more frustrating fashion. Maybe could have been a zero with a better defensive play out there, but still, he battled through it. And while you saw all the the traffic out there, none of it was super comfortable. It 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 couldn't have been much more stark of a, a contrast between the way he was able to go out there and battle and limit the damage and do what he could to figure out a way to get out versus what happened next. Just brutal, y'all. And and I know, again, it's like individual games at this point. You know, they go out and win that game yesterday. It's not like you're feeling, oh, great, here come the Rockies. The season is saved. Uh, I know no one likes to lose. You want to win every game as a player or as a fan, uh, but to see it go down so dramatically, right? The Rockies put up four runs in the first inning, all with some nice contact approaches, low line drives. The only extra base hit in the inning came from Trevor Story, who really, let, he had two leg him out doubles yesterday. They, they didn't get to the gap. They didn't go to the wall. They were in front of fielders, but in the gaps just a little bit, and he used his speed to get to second base. That was the only extra base hit there in the fourth where they played at four. They got a couple of two-out, big two-out singles early on uh, to keep it going from Tapia and Walters to give themselves a four-run cushion, and then they were up. As much as Lambert struggled here and there, they were up the rest of the game. The Diamondbacks pulled back to within one, the Rockies answered with a home run from Trevor Story and a home run from Ryan McMahon. So they're up three again. So you've been at this game now for two and a half or three hours. The Rockies have held the lead the entire time. The offense gave you that initial boost of four runs and then they gave you an answer to the Diamondbacks getting back in it. So the offense attacked early and they attacked in the middle. They've given you a three-run lead and the very second I mean, in in real world time, it must have been about a minute and a half between the Jake Lamb home run and the Carson Kelly home run. I don't well, I don't know the Carson Kelly one because he had to wait, you know, for for Chad Bettis to come in and warm up. But there, Jake uh, McGee got into a battle with Jake Lamb, and that was really the only competitive at bat. And he almost got him. Honestly, he had him down to two strikes. Threw him some good pitches, got you know some foul balls until Lamb found the pitch he wanted and absolutely hammered it the other way. And I'll say again, left on left, opposite field into the front row at Coors Field uh, is one of the cheapest home runs you're gonna get in baseball this year. Just that Oppo left-handed hitters going out to the front row at Coors and that that uh, left field spot has just been one of the ways we've seen whatever's going on with the baseballs plus general Coors Field that stuff just biting guys and it, that was a low percentage home run from Lamb but then the next couple were no doubt obvious blasts from Nick Ahmed and Carson Kelly and that happened very very quickly within a couple of pitches of each other McGee couldn't even record a single out So he gives up the entire lead, three runs in the span of about a minute and a half. Chad Bettis comes in and on his first batter gives up the home run. The Rockies lead is completely gone and the Diamondbacks have have taken it. And it, it was just as simple as that. And that's one of the things about baseball that's so difficult to wrap one's mind around so often because... We take wins and losses, we put them concretely into a thing that says, well, this team was better than that team, that team was better than this team on, on any given day, but in baseball, you can have 23 members of the 25-man roster play a really good game, a winning effort, an, an effort that deserved to result in a victory for their team, and Peter Lambert gave such an effort, the offense gave such an effort, the the defense, with the exception of the one play from Ryan Altapia that I mentioned, uh, gave... That kind of performance, but it still didn't end up mattering because all that needs to go wrong is for one guy to come out of the bullpen and just not have it. And they had two guys come out of the bullpen and give up the big home runs. And that was it. You know, they scratched another one off against Jairo Diaz, but you can live with those. those it was frustrating at the time, I'm sure, but it's the coming into a game. You can't get a single out. You've given up four runs before you get that that first out of the sixth inning and the whole game that Peter Lambert put up was washed away just like that and it's absolutely demoralizing as much as it's demoralizing to uh, the fans to, to you watching at home or you watching in the stands it's also incredibly demoralizing to the players out there on the field and you know, they always say the the right things after the game. Hey look there have been and and they're right, the offense will say, Hey, look there were games they pitched really well and we didn't pick them up. And it's all true, but that has been the exact nature as as I've put it, the whack a mole nature of this season as soon as they've solved one problem another one pops up and as soon as they go over to try to solve that problem and and get that under wraps a little bit then another one pops up and here for the last month the bullpen has been one of those problems a number of times but it's a different guy as I've mentioned to people you know Jake McGee actually had a pretty solid ERA going into yesterday Chad Bettis did not you got to play some matchups. But if you're Bud Black, I had people asking me on Twitter, how did he go to Jake McGee? Like, like you were going to be excited if he went to Chad Bettis or Brian Shaw or it was too early to go to Jairo Diaz. You're not trying to burn all of, again, going back to our conversation about Lambert, Freeland, DeMarquez and Marquez in the rotation. There's no reason to run Jairo Diaz. Carlos Estevez into the ground when you're 13 games under 500, But Black only has so many people he can hand the baseball to. I just don't know that there was anywhere else to go with it other than hand the ball to Jake McGee. Uh, And... That's what happened, and as we talked about on yesterday's podcast when we ran over the budget, you know, the Rockies can't... I mean, they can maybe just cut ties with him in the offseason, pay him $9.5 million for that final year to go play for somebody else, but he's still on contract through next year, and you're not going to DFA a guy because he blew a game when you're already 12 out of it, and so it's as frustrating as it is, it's just not a smart business move and they're going to have to keep throwing them out there unless they decide to to shut them down and give those innings to the young guys for, for physical reasons. It just, it unfortunately doesn't work that way. There's, there's nowhere, there's no other direction really for Bud Black to go there. He's, he's got to go with the relievers he has and he only has one reliable reliever as it is, and you can't have Scott Oberg pitch every inning out of the bullpen. I think it's fair maybe to criticize to say he should have left Peter Lambert out there for another inning or two. But, again, even then, I'm saying, you know, what what are you willing to risk to try to pick up these wins that at this point really aren't doing that much to help you in the future of your franchise? It's more important that you make sure to take care of, especially these young guys, than that you win that ball game yesterday. And I know people hate hearing that, but that's that's just the part of the season we're in. That is the hole that they have dug themselves into now, where the outcomes of these games really don't matter. What matters is, are the young guys taking steps forward? And we saw a little bit more of that yesterday. Again, Ryan McMahon with a big home run. He had a strikeout early that I know he was really frustrated about. But, uh, you know, I, I think, again, we're just seeing more and more of his steps into the big leagues. And like I said with Lambert, I, I think there were a lot of intriguing... Promising moves, and and it's a game that he can learn from because the margins between it being a really good game and it just being a a mostly okay game that he handled were so small, especially the walks. He gets those under control. The Rockies probably win the game. So, again, as much as you may want to put it, and fairly, uh, it is on Jake McGee and, and Chad Bettis. But, you know, Lambert doesn't walk the bases loaded in that inning, those two runs don't score. Well, margin of victory was two, so there you have it. It's not always quite that simple, but just so many ways. And and like I said, that game was much like the way the Rockies' season has been. It's just as soon as you think there's something that's working just a little bit, it it, it all comes falling apart and so quickly. It just happens so fast, both in the game and, and in the season. And I think that's part of why so many people are reeling right now. But I also think that's a good reason to remember why they're still not that far off from where they were a year ago. They're just caught in this everything-that-can-go-wrong-is-going-wrong situation. And they absolutely need to overhaul that entire bullpen. But they weren't going to be able to do it at the deadline. You can't do it in the middle of your season. You need an off season to overhaul your bullpen. In the meantime, you just have to live with what you've got and and hope that by next season most of this is a non-factor. But right now, it just is a factor and unfortunately for the Rockies yesterday it was a decisive one. All right, I do want to mention to everyone, remind you all that Breckenridge Brewery is now the official beer of BSN Denver. You are all very familiar With the Vanilla Porter, the Oatmeal Stout, the Avalanche Amber, and now I'm sure the Strawberry Sky. They've got the best summer and winter drinking beers, though we're not there yet. So so keep coming out with the Avalanche, the Amber Ale, and your Strawberry Sky for the summer drinking brews. They're absolutely wonderful for that. Taking in a ball game, doesn't matter what the record is. A nice Breck brew and a baseball game, still something that can't be beat. Uh, You'll be missing it when there's no baseball in the wintertime. So make sure you still get out there. You you take in the baseball with your Breck brew. And you find us on bsndenver.com to come by the events calendar. Check out when we're going to be doing our next pub crawl. Uh, Those are always a lot of fun. Get to hang out and talk sports with you guys. Uh, I'll be there for sure. Uh, We'll be drinking Breck brews, talking baseball, talking about the upcoming seasons for the Nuggets and Avalanche, which I'm going to try to be a little more involved with this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure that anytime time you get the chance, you help out BSN Denver. You're helping me out personally. How great is that? You get to just drink a beer, and you're helping out your favorite podcaster. I don't know. Maybe I'm in your top five. I don't know. <laughs> Wherever I rank, if, you, if you're having a Breck brew, uh, you're doing us a, a great service, and you're doing yourself a great service because it's just a solid beer. All right, I'm going to take a quick commercial break here. When we come back on the other side of it, I wanted to share some stories from all of you. I know it's been a very difficult time to be a Colorado Rockies fan, so I thought maybe this would be a nice time for some of you who could use some some happy stories uh, to share in times over the years where you all have felt especially proud of your Rockies fandom. Because I know that if you're still listening to this, you're still reading the site, if you've subscribed to BSNDenver.com, you're a hardcore, diehard fan of this team, maybe uh, of the other ones as well. And you're not going to go away. And there are times in which you've probably gotten to be particularly proud of Of that, And so I'm very excited about some of these that I've gotten to read. We may have to extend this and and do some more over the coming weeks uh, because I've gotten so many great responses, and and I would imagine there are people who haven't gotten to see the prompt who might want to get in on this as well. So if you didn't see it on Twitter, you can email me, Drew, at bsndenver.com, or the best way to make sure I'll see it is to leave a comment on the site, whatever article or whatever podcast you can find. Just go and leave a comment on the site. I'll see it. And tell me about one or two of your favorite moments of being a Colorado Rockies fan. So we'll start with those on the other side of the break.
0: Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're they're learning baseball the right way that was sean as he mentioned his son plays on a diamond club team they offer multiple summer camps private lessons high school teams and youth competitive teams plus their prices are more affordable than their competition diamond club has very fair price you know when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments fields uniforms and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more.
1: Alright, welcome back in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. As I was mentioning before the break, I asked for all of you, and, I, and I'm continuing to extend this offer, to send me your stories of your favorite times, your favorite moments, your favorite memories of being a Rockies fan, of becoming a Rockies fan. It's a, a time of year when it's a little bit difficult, maybe to remember some of those times and and maybe that's the perfect time why it's worth doing so i wanted to begin with a long one as i was warned but a very good one uh, from rachel who's emailed several times in before i know i've missed a few of hers over the years so i wanted to make sure that i began with this one she writes i became a rockies fan when i was eight i moved out to denver from new jersey and coors field had just opened i drove out from new jersey with my dad two brothers two boy cousins, and uncle. I complained because our plan was to stop at baseball stadiums all along the way. I thought this would be the worst thing ever, but I also didn't want to go with my aunt and mom, white water rafting, so we loaded into two cars, couple of, <laughs> had CB radios, signs to let the other car we know, know we needed a pit stop, and, and off we went. So this is in 1994, she says. We stopped at the first stadium and saw the Phillies. I was crabby, not happy, then the fanatic came over, he gave me a big hug, and I got on the big screen. This was also the run-the-bases night, so I'd say that turned me into a baseball fan. I was ready for the next stadium. We got to Colorado and got season tickets. We were in the purple row behind home plate. I'd go up each game with my glove, hoping for a miracle. As years went on and the Rockies were terrible, we would be able to move closer to closer seats as the innings went on. I couldn't believe how big the players were and how close we were. Then the usher told me about batting practice and how you can get even closer and talk to them. My eight-year-old self couldn't believe this. For many years, from 94 onward, I dragged my family to exhibition games. Yeah, remember back when those were a thing. She says, we would sit in a March snowstorm for a game that didn't count, and I'd cheer so loud. One game, it was late in the game. It was during a terrible stretch of years of baseball, and we were sitting at a preseason game. I get hit in the ribs with a ball. That started my sports collection. I have that ball still. Through my childhood, I went to Bill's Sports Collectibles on Evans to get whatever I could, Rockies-related. I kept newspaper articles from players I loved who no one would know of today. She mentions Jamie Wright and Ben Petrick. How, we gotta, I think more people maybe know, certainly Rockies fans, hardcore Rockies fans know Jamie Wright. Ben Petrick is quite the pole. That's a really fantastic deep cut there. And um, she says, so I'd go to picture day, then go back and get those pictures signed. I would write the players and they'd write back. I remember crying when holiday slid into home and crying when we lost the World Series. The Rockies always make me cry, even if there's no crying in baseball. Today I live on the East Coast. A few times a year I'll go to New York and drown out the Mets fans in my cheers and thanks to modern technology can keep up with the team that made me a fan. Now in our 30s, we want to do a West Coast baseball trip starting in Seattle and driving down, stopping along the way. That sounds absolutely wonderful, Rachel. Thank you so much for writing us in and allowing us to take a walk down your memory lane. Uh, it sounds like quite the trip to uh, win over a, a new baseball fan, even if it's a little bit disconcerting that that creepy, weird Philly fanatic was <laughs> apparently a big part of your journey. I'm, I'm sure you can only think of him with a... a warm memories uh, i would imagine and that's just another reminder that we all fall in love with this game and in different ways and uh, if you do make some kind of west coast road trip please fill us in right back let us know all about it we'll we'll want to keep up to date on everything that's going on with you out there it's always fantastic to see the Rockies fans who are out there in the world, uh, but not in, you know, not in Denver. And, and the way you have to go out, like you said, drive over to, to the Mets games and try to drown them out a couple of times a year. So thank you so much, Rachel, uh, for sending that one in. We've got another super fan, superstar BSN Denver commenter, uh, Mary Pace, who also went through the trouble of leaving her comment on the website. And remember that that is the best way to make sure that your comment is absolutely read on the podcast. You leave it on the website over at bsndenver.com if you're a subscriber, and I will read it. Uh, She begins, she says, to briefly pat myself on the back. I have endured the following without the aid of adult beverages or the magic brownies now legal in Colorado. Pre-Humidor Coors, the pitching, st- the pitching of Kyle Kendrick, Jeremy Guthrie, and Jamie Moyer, the defense of Willine Rosario, and the four-man piggyback rotation disaster of 2012. Yeah, that, that's another way to have a little bit of a silver lining in a tough season too, Mary, right? Is to remember that there have been other times where it was actually a lot worse than this, and, and things were just really weird for this club. But she writes, in spite of all that, there are many moments, big and small along the way, that have kept me coming back for 20-plus years. <laughs> she says, I swear I'm not as old as that sounds. Hey, I, I feel you, right? It, it, it's just how it started. The, the decade numbers get bigger and bigger. But she she gives a few she came up with. One, 17 years of Todd Helton. It is a special thing when a player of that caliber spends his whole career with your hometown team. Mary, I, I've got to agree. I, I sometimes have this argument with people, and and I've found that it goes kind of 50-50. You can point to the Miami Marlins, who have two World Series championships and have had a couple of other uh, very exciting seasons. But for the most part, other than that, they've been an afterthought. And I ask you this question. I probably said this on the podcast before. Who's the greatest Miami Marlin of all time, or Florida Marlin of all time? Right. And they're just a big, long silence. Right. they And so while, yes, there are a lot of things that are frustrating about being a Rockies fan, there certainly is this, you know, if you're an eight year old or a 12 year old and you buy someone's jersey, you know that they're not going to be on the next team a few months from now, uh, for the most part. Obviously, it's not like they make no moves, but it's nice to be able to cheer for some of these guys for their entire careers and you know it looks like the rockies are doing everything they can to put nolan Arenado into that category as well she says number two the contract extensions of tulo and cargo and recently chuck and nolan when all-star and in nolan's case generational players commit to a team long term and energizes and even legitimizes a fan base because they're not just committing to their clubhouse brethren but to the people who watch them 81 games a year and and I think that's fair. You know, I, I see sometimes people, and the, there's been this debate going on lately, saying that it shouldn't be that way and the team should only care about winning and they should be more cold-blooded and that the fans will come around anyway but there's there's not one right way to fan and it is absolutely okay for people to say you know I really just I'm not going to be happy if the team trades Charlie Blackman even if that may be what they think is best for business that that's I come to the ballpark to see Charlie Blackman and that's not an invalid way to watch a baseball game or cheer for a baseball team especially when there can only be one world series champion every year the odds that it's going to be your team are very slim no matter what team you root for and so at the very least it might be nice to cheer for some guys you like there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to be able to cheer for players you like She says, three, switching gears here a little bit for a particular moment, John Gray's 16 strikeout outing at Coors. Given the well-documented pitching challenges of Coors Field, a dominant performance like that is special in its own context, regardless of the season in which it occurs. Uh, Totally agree. Uh, Four long extra inning games in September. For example, uh, 9-15-15, Rockies win 5-4 in 16 innings at the Dodgers. On the one hand, they're a pain because I have work in the morning, but on the other hand, even though it's a meaningless game, I can't turn it off because the players aren't giving up, so why should I? I love that Mary has that attitude, and I know so many of you have the same one. She continues, I have to keep watching because in just a few very short weeks, there won't be Rockies baseball and we'll be in the cold, dark abyss of winter. Yes, I'm a Colorado native who hates winter. Again, Mary and I cut from the same cloth here. I don't know if I hate winter, but I'm over it by now at the very least. She says, just staring out the window, waiting for spring, wishing for another baseball game. Probably got off track from the original prompt, but these are just a few things that make me love rockies baseball thank you mary for sending in all of those comments and and again i think this is the the time to remember stuff like that uh, it, it just it, it is a game, and, and I'm glad you brought up a few moments from seasons. You know, it's easy, and I don't want to be down on some of the other comments that we've got coming up next. And this will be the first round of, of these stories. We're going to continue this. So, again, uh, please tweet at me. You can email me, Drew at bsndenver.com, or you can leave a comment on the site to share your story. Uh, but, you know, we do a lot of us remember o seven very fondly twenty moments in twenty ten certainly two thousand and nine very fondly in these last couple of years but i 'm glad that Mary uh, decided to point out a few of the happy and memorable times from seasons where the team wasn 't competitive where you know John Gray does go out and strike out sixteen dudes, and we all remember that or these long games they win in the sixteenth inning, and you remember that and you hold on to it. I wanted to. Uh, get into here actually before i go to one more break uh, a thread if, if i may because there was this great back and forth between uh, trev or at trevor kell and at holly coffee on uh, a response to the to this on twitter uh, trev writes And again, this is, I think, a great kind of, it goes in line with what I was saying. The moment if you weren't there, and so many people look back on this with such frustration and anger, but Trev writes, I got to see them play in the NLDS last year at Coors. Despite the loss and end of the season, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I've never felt an atmosphere like that at Coors before, even after I saw Nolan hit his walk-off cycle. Nothing can compare. I'm going to keep going here with Holly's response, but I think that it's worth remembering that again, that he's absolutely right. I've I've covered these. I was at the Nolan cycle walk-off game. I've been at a number of walk-offs, bottom of the ninth, Ryan McMahon. I wasn't at that one. The Ryan McMahon, uh, famously, I missed that one. But I've been at a lot of big... Huge, exciting games, roar of the crowd moments. I was here when Ichiro got his 3,000th hit, and that was pretty loud. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing. My first experience with it was the year before, the wild card game in Phoenix, Arizona. From the get-go, just the atmosphere, you can feel it in your bones. Postseason baseball is just something else. Remember when Tony Walters came up in his first at-bat in that game? It was the first time he had been back home after getting that huge hit in Chicago. He, The guy batted like 190 that year and had the fans on his case from the first day of the season to the end of the year, but he got that hit in Chicago. Still probably the biggest hit of the last decade for the Colorado Rockies and at Coors Field. Yeah, the game didn't end the way you wanted, but in that moment with a chance to drive in a run, he didn't do it, but Tony, Tony, how, I mean, it shiver inducing stuff there and you're absolutely right there is no atmosphere like it holly shouted back that she was also there totally electric and uh took this shot of the scoreboard because of course you know she she's sitting at the third baseline it looks like and normally that right field scoreboard's got the score some all around baseball and there's anywhere if you're playing a day game maybe there's three or four or five games up there if it's a night game it's absolutely filled with scores but This one only had one other one because it's postseason baseball. It's the NLDS. They got the Braves and the Dodgers getting ready to start. This is the only game going on in baseball. Again, it's not even all eyes. All eyes in the stadium are on you. All eyes in the state are on you. All eyes in the baseball world are on you, and you can feel it. This part I thought was great that Holly just happened to respond with a picture that might actually include our good friend Trev. Because from her vantage point, he says, man, you can almost see me in this pic. I was up on the third deck below the rooftop. If it's just a little bit higher, he might be able to circle himself in the picture. And and again, another one of those great reminders that you guys have probably never met in real life. You you both uh, follow us on Twitter. It may be the case that neither of you or both of you are listening to this podcast right now, but we all shared in that moment from different vantage points, looking at it all different ways, feeling different kinds of ways about it. But it's the kind of thing that reminds you that being a fan is being a member of a community. Cheering for a team, rooting for a team, covering a team makes you a part of a community of people who all share in these experiences, and that's absolutely one. And it didn't go the Rockies' way. They got in in kind of a vacuum, a little bit embarrassed in that game because it was the the third game of a sweep, and you know, Davis kind of fell apart, so it ended up not being especially close. After a while, Aguilar had the big home run and swore at Tony Walters. It was a rough afternoon. Uh, the weather was kind of crappy, and, and it was the end of the season, but I'm so happy again that uh, Trev and Holly wrote in here uh, about that game. I'm going to do one more before I take another quick break and read a few more of these. we got so many great ones in. Like I said, there's going to be a few I don't get to. Them. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can, roll them over. But if you have any you want to add to the conversation, please do. Uh, Shannon Hurd, who is a, is a Rockies super fan, I think everyone uh, follows her on Twitter. If you don't, you should. She's at love the Rocks. Uh, very simple. Uh, she does some fun giveaways. She's she's been a season ticket holder for years and years and years. We've met a handful of times. She's a, a wonderful person. Uh, as, as, again, just emblematic of I think what the Rockies community is all about. And she sa- shares this story. She says, in May of '07, I broke my hand playing uh, at a volleyball playing volleyball at a grad party. Insisted on going to the Rockies game before going to the ER. I sat through the entire game in shock, no appetite or energy, and freezing. It was a mid game week, uh, a midweek game, excuse me, versus San Francisco that meant nothing. I still didn't leave early, went to the ER at 2 a.m., and had surgery later. Uh, as, and Jared responds, wow, that's dedication. And and I reminded Jared, well, fan is short for fanatic. Shannon, Shannon is as hardcore as they come. As, as much as that's an eye-popping story that anyone would do that, in a way, it doesn't surprise me that Shannon would. She's, uh, through rain or shine, uh, going to be here. It doesn't matter the record of the team, what's going on. Uh, through thick and thin And, and and anyone still listening to this podcast probably feels that way too and it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't get critical of the team you don't want them to get better you don't want to see improvements being made a lot of people feel that way too but that doesn't mean that you necessarily or ever abandon them and and so you gotta love somebody who goes to a midweek meaningless game against the Giants literally in shock with a broken hand because she can't miss Rockies baseball the ER will be there the baseball game is on right now beautiful absolutely love it all right gonna take one more commercial break come back with a couple other fun ones off of Twitter before signing off for the day
0: The Colorado Golf Association was founded in 1915 with the purpose of representing, promoting, and serving the best interests of golf in Colorado. A CGA membership costs $59.95 yearly and it gives you access to member offers, discounts, events and programs, a 20% discount on green fees at Common Ground Golf Course and so much more.
1: The best feature of Common Ground is that it's owned by the Colorado Golf Association and that changes everything because our mission is to use Common Ground as a laboratory for creative programs, innovative programs, that will grow the game, that will introduce it to a wider audience. It's hard to
0: put your finger on what makes a golf course fun. Uh, it's challenge, but it's also playable and it's a great value. That was Ed Mate, executive director of the Colorado Golf Association. He has worked with the CGA for over 30 years now. The CGA is currently conducting its third annual Dream Golf Vacation raffle in partnership with the Bandon Dunes Resort. For $20 you can enter a raffle to win the Bandon Dunes Resort. It's a wonderful dream vacation that includes six rounds of golf on all three golf
1: courses started selling raffle tickets a couple weeks ago and we'll draw the lucky winner here later this summer
0: for a chance to win enter at coloradogolf.org slash b-a-n-d-o-n
1: all right welcome back into the bsn rockies podcast presented by the green solution going to continue walking down memory lane here for just a little bit with spencer Who says, for me, it all started game one, April 5, 1993 in Shea Stadium. They lost that day on the field. However, they won a fan. I still have that program and a signature in it from my all-time favorite Rocky, Dale Murphy. Some people forget that Dale Murphy was ever even a Rocky, but how about that? So many great memories of my family at the ballpark cheering for the Rockies. Uh, Another great story, too, to hear because I, I think a lot of us were either there or... You know, everyone claims they were at the first game at Coors Field or the first game at Mile High when Eric Young hit the home run at Mile High or when um, Dante Bichette hit the walk off at Coors Field. Of course, everyone's going to say they were there. Um, But how cool is that to actually have been there at the first game? A lot of people forget they actually began their franchise's existence on the road in New York at Shea Stadium. And Spencer has the documentation to prove it. One of the other great things about baseball, that, and I know it can be done in other sports, but it seems like it, it just has those things. You keep the program. You hang on to, uh, uh, if you get a baseball, Rachel still has the baseball, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, one of the things that this game, it gives you the memories. But oftentimes it manages to give you some kind of tangible I know a lot of people like when stadiums close down, they'll go and get a little bit of dirt, you know. And, and people there are people out there with just jars of dirt from old Yankee Stadium, and that sounds kind of weird and dumb, I'm sure to some people, but to me, like that is so what baseball is about. Uh, Broncos sister Tiff just wants to say, no question of my loyalty to the Rockies. I love my team till the end of time. There you have it, plain and simple. Uh, I love this. I love this one from. Uh, Uh, busted babe uh, a little bit similar we got a couple of hospital stories in here but she says my son spent a week at denver children's hospital in 2010 right before we moved back to california dinger couldn't make a visit so a box met us at our new base full of rocky's paraphernalia including a ball signed by cargo and a fowler t-shirt he still wears How cool is that? Good on whoever made the decision to do that. That might have been before our current PR guys. It might have been, uh, I I think that was, I think it was a little bit before the the current grouping here, but that's great that the Colorado Rockies uh, and again, whoever was in charge of fan outreach at the time went out of their way uh, to do that, to send some stuff out there. Because it is, again, worth remembering, some people get all caught up in it, but it's a game for the kids. It's a kid's game played for the kids, man. And 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 it's it's a game that can lift you up when you're going through a tough time like that. So uh, Ken adds, uh, because I, I asked the question, when were you most proud of your fandom? He replies simply, I've never not been. I've never not been a fan, of, uh, proud of my fandom. He says, I like the, I'm like i a Rockies fan because they rep Colorado. I like the organization. I like the players as individuals. They do a lot of off-field stuff. Most of the fans are really good and decent people. I have no girlfriend. Hey, whatever the reasons are. <laughs> um, but he says, when you put everything into just wins and losses, you have nothing when they lose. I'm okay now. And and I, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, it's it, it's not that wins and losses don't matter. They do. And it's okay to want them, and it's okay to be much happier when they win than when they lose. But you're right that there's much more to being a fan than just that. It's easy to be happy and say you're awesome and and talk trash to someone else if your team wins all the time. Uh, Being a fan in in these kinds of environments, uh, there's something much more endearing about that, uh, certainly to me. Uh, And then Eric has maybe the most recent moment says i went to an isotopes game yesterday which was cool because i got to see the future and maybe some last moments of some current rockies there you go just the other day went out to an isotopes game took in a baseball game had a great time got to see some of the future of the game got to see a little bit of the rockies past it's been uh, you know, again, it's 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 been a rough season, but it's super cool anytime you can just like today, you know, with Chris Ionetta getting DFA'd. Uh, it's worth taking a moment and saying. Man, that guy did a lot for this organization. He had quite the career for someone who wasn't the most gifted natural athlete. He put in the work. He made himself into a major league baseball player, which is one of the most difficult things to do uh, in terms of just jobs out there and the number of people that want it and how hard it is to make it happen. Mabel says, I will always love the Rockies even when they break my heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ty says, I can't read the whole thing and I don't have that, but uh, I'm just going to go with Ty. I may have mentioned it, but getting the Honolulu star while getting supplies in the middle of the ocean on a submarine and seeing Todd Helton catching the last out of the NLCS on the front page was pretty awesome. I was showing everybody on the sub and being super annoying about it. Look, that's one of the other things that does come with being a good fan through all of the rough times, that when your team finally wins, you get to go out there and be a little bit annoying about it. So uh, that's pretty fantastic. There are actually a lot more in here. Uh, I wanted to do two more before... I sign off for, like I said, this first round of it. I'm going to get to a few of these others. You guys have sent me some great stuff in on Twitter. Uh, If you're worried I'm not going to get to what you sent, email me, drew at bsndenver.com, or send me a comment on the website. I promise you I'll see it if you send it there. There's a chance it'll get lost in the shuffle if you just hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, but uh, I'll do my best to to make that happen. Like I said, I want to finish up with these last two EB sends in a picture of himself at the 2003 All-Star Game. I wasn't even living here yet, and they asked us to choose a team for our FanFest baseball card. Must have been fate for me to become a Rocky season ticket holder and fan when I moved here in 2007. Sometimes you choose your baseball team. Sometimes your baseball team chooses you, EB. We're glad to have you along for the ride. That's pretty awesome. And then Shane also sent in a picture Uh, says in high school I sat through the first snow out ever at Coors Field despite the fact that they never threw a pitch I also took my wife and my three-year-old at the time to the coldest game in MLB history versus Atlanta in April 2013 And, and there's a picture of him and his son at the game, super super cold looking. Uh, apparently, you bring the cold with you. That's a weird superpower to have, there, Shane. A very weird superpower to have, but but there it is. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for those of you that hit us up. Like I said, I know there are a lot here that I didn't get to. Uh, if you want to make sure I do, uh, I gave you the method just a moment ago. I won't repeat it. You're all very good listeners. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, uh, sending in these questions. Remember to continue to hit us up at. BSN Rockies at Drew Creaseman at Patrick D Lines you can email anytime like share and subscribe on Facebook give us a little one sentence review or a little five star review on Facebook or on the podcast app it really does help new people discover who we are and what we're about here in maintaining this positive Colorado Rockies community of people who want to talk baseball 365 seven days a week uh, as often as I possibly can and you guys are really going to help me out here through the the end of the season, it looks like, so I appreciate that. Thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Hey, if you're like me and you're trying to figure out how to be a mature, refined adult, or you just really like wine, you have to check out my friends over at Weinster. Weinster is an innovative online direct-to-consumer wine club connecting wine drinkers with more than 110 of the best wineries in America today. What makes Weinster special is that the majority of wineries they work with are too small to attract the attention of retailers, meaning not only are you getting access to some delicious and hard-to-find wines, you're also supporting real people making real wine, not one of the few large corporations producing most of the wines available in stores. With Weinster... All you have to do is sit back and relax as they curate a hand-picked shipment from the best small wine producers in the U.S. Then, when you fall in love with a couple of wines, as a club member, you can have them sent right back to your door with no shipping cost. I especially love Winester because it was founded by three CU Boulder alums. So sign up today with the code BSN25 to get $25 off your first shipment of wine and start being a real grown-up. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.